ourselves. Encourage ourselves in the Lord. Amen. Bring out the old prophecies. Go grab something that used to give you life and let it give you some more life. You know, married people know how this goes. You know, if you're married more than the first seven years, are you making up your mind if you really made the right <laughs> decision or not? You know what I'm saying? They have what they call a seven-year itch where everybody gets there. You know, you start scratching yourself and looking around and wondering. I don't know what I'm talking about. So if you pass that and you get over in double digits, then you're making notches on the bedpost. How many years is this? Crossing it off. 15, 20 in the big house. And so if you're not aware that there is life in God at all times and tap into that life in God, then you, you won't be able to weather these uh, lulls and the excitement, so to speak, of, of life. And when there's not as much going on that used to excite you or not as much going on as you think you're interested in, many people think they're waiting on God to open a door for them, you know. And I don't know what kind of door they're looking for, but everybody's looking for open doors, you know. And, uh, you know, there's all these phrases that we keep throwing out here to try to keep ourselves interested in life. And so there is a life, though, that's inside of God that we can tap into all the time. And I think if we live in that life and choose to live in that life, then we'll be ready for when things pick up again. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, because if you're in the life all the time, then whatever is going on that other people think they're waiting on to get excited about, you're already in it. You see, you're already there. You're aware of it. In fact, you're one of the people that's helping it happen. Because the Bible says when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? And so that's what he's looking for, people who have faith to believe that what is promised in the Bible is coming. That we're honest with ourselves and we, we can admit that the pace that we're going at is way too slow. You know, look at all the, there's no fewer homeless people, drug addicts, prostitutes, anything else than there were 10 years ago. And see, we don't know why the numbers increase where wickedness is concerned. And righteousness, you know, we just go on our merry way. You know, we get our churches filled with 20,000 people but they're not empowered to do anything about the weak ones on the outside and so if we can be honest with ourselves about that and not be disgruntled about it see there's a place where you can be honest and and pick up your honesty in the lord and understand god's perspective on it that there is a fullness of time for all things and and god is going to do things in the fullness of time If we can appreciate that and trust God and hold on to God and be joyful, be full of peace, be full of whatever, you know, keeps you going, you know, and stay in that place, then when God is ready to do something, we're positioned a lot better to take our place in that than if we were off somewhere saying, well, you know, look at look at the drug addicts out there and look at the prostitutes and uh, what are we going to do about them? And when is God going to does, does it matter to God if they're uh, all this uh, now it's a uh, human trafficking? You know, every people can find more problems than they can find solutions and we can find problems faster than we can find solutions. But all of the solutions are in God. The gospel is the power of God. To salvation, it, Jesus is the answer for this sin world. 
And so I think when we hold on to what we know to be as the answer, we'll be positioned in a, a greater place to take our place when it's time to step forward, when the body of Christ really moves forward into her glory and into her anointing, the end time anointing, into the work of the ministry with signs following. When we see people doing that in mass, we'll be more, more poised to be able to step into it. And our prayers will have helped prepare our hearts to take our place in it, you see. Because if you're not a person of prayer who has prayed into these things, they can be going on and you won't even recognize them. Because they'll look like anything else to you. You won't recognize this is that. That we've been praying for. Amen. And and have that recognition in you. And so this is what we want to, to stay focused on. That we're not bored. We're not upset. We're not ready to drop serving God and go do something else. We're poised and we're positioned and we've made ourselves ready. Amen. And we're going to take our rightful place where we belong in this end time move of God because God is the one who's doing it. He's assured us we have his word. If you can take his word for your salvation, you can take his word for an end time move of God. You can take his word for anything. If you believe you're saved and you believe there's a harvest coming and you believe that you're a part in it. Amen. And you're honest enough to admit that the, the, what we carry on us now ain't enough. Got me? And there are those, those who are carrying less than we do. You know, not to compare yourselves with anybody, but think about the people who are, are not looking for God to confirm his word with signs following when they preach. They don't have an altar call. They leave the people there just like they were before. They keep telling you it's coming, you know, you know, and all this kind of stuff, but it's never here for them. And so that type of shallow entertainment, keep them busy, Christianity is not what God, there's nothing like that in the book of Acts. You look at, you look at what we call church now and you compare it with the book of Acts, there's no similarity hardly. Except, you know, we mentioned Jesus. And that's, that's about it. You understand what I'm saying? And so the believers are not empowered. They don't know how to pray and, and, you know, raise the dead and things of that nature. You see a little bit of it here and there. But God meant for that message to be powerful like that until he returns. He never meant for that message to be diluted or substituted for something else that we call success. And so there is the kingdom, and then there's maybe man's idea of success, but God wants us to stay kingdom-minded, increasing the numbers that come into his house. Not come into a building, but come into God's house and into his presence. People can have relationship with God. You know, I believe if you give people the truth and you put them to work for God right away, you don't have to have new beginners class and, and uh, you know, Sunday school and class people to death you just put them in there you know that's you don't see that stuff in the bible you know i'm not here to criticize anybody but let's wake up here and let's see what our model is and let's see where we need to go you know people in the early church you know the way you you straighten out problems uh or the way god straightened them out in the holy ghost well if somebody lied about the offering you don't have to tell them for 10 years teach that the, uh, there's going to be an end time wealth transfer and they're going to get get some of it all you got to do is let the holy spirit judge mm-hmm. 
you have enough people fall dead during offering time, they'll get honest about the offering. You understand what I'm saying? That's in the Bible. Huh? It's not a fable. It's in the Bible. And I believe if we just start doing, empowering believers to do the work of the ministry, empower people. This is the problem, is the lack of power. And so the Amos 9.13 season will be so accelerated in the available anointing that, that we have available to the church that people won't have time to recognize they don't have it. They'll just step into it and start working with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when we, when we really understand where God is going with this, we, we're honest and we can say we need more. And, and more is coming. And it's coming at the speed of favor. Amen. <clears throat> says the long span of time this is on page 25 in the first paragraph usually lodged between your sowing and reaping will become subject to the fast-paced timing of god's intervention in your life it's the very least that can be expected the promise of amos 9:13 offers a new paradigm of faith and expectation where old disappointments i've been there <laughs> give way to new realities of experience and abundant fruitfulness the old paradigm of religiosity and system dependence isn't sustainable anymore you know nowadays if people kick you out of the denomination you need to rejoice well just just rejoice that you're being picked for something you're being picked to to accelerate the old paradigms of doing church aren't sustainable either because people are leaving those places if if it's not on television and they can't brag to everybody that they go to the church that's on television people just don't want to be bothered with it you understand what i'm saying that the smaller churches and middle-sized churches are still struggling to keep their doors open because people are not interested in the religious the slow the you know a bunch of rules and regulations and you know with no fruit no teaching nothing for them to get involved in he says we have arrived at a time when the sludge-like flow of ecclesiastical progress some mistake for kingdom expansion cannot be tolerated so even with the way people are building churches now the mega churches that's slow compared to what god wants to do Amen. It's slow because what he's doing won't be contained in one place, won't be confined to a denomination. It will be 100% God. And we just have to have people who are, are obedient to God, schooled in the ways of God, to be able to manage God's kingdom down here on earth. And he will teach us. It says the harvest demands more from us than that mindset will ever allow. Today's frequently embraced paradigm and language of political correctness dilutes preaching down to a distasteful pablum. In other words, you can't really get excited about it. Hmm? There's nothing really to stir you. There's nothing to uh, cause you expectation. Distasteful pablum ministry to an ineffective placebo and will ultimately produce an anemic church church that just is too weak to stand the amos 9:13 season however will be accompanied by prophetic voices raise your hand everybody you are the prophetic voices amen whose message will intimidate spiritual darkness and push back against encroaching moral compromise 
So when you see people um, wanting to to give uh, sin a pass, I don't care what kind of sin it is. They want to give it all a pass and say, well, you know, we're building a church and we're seeker friendly. You know, uh, you can't have seeker friendly people that's been saved for 20 years. You know, it's time for them to start walking the line. It's they're not they're not in a seeker friendly class anymore. You know, they're born of the spirit of God. They're born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They should be offended when they sin. And we don't give them a pass if they if they're fallen into sin, they've been saved that long or say they're saved that long. It says rather than doing church, we begin to be the church of the Lord Jesus in the earth today. So instead of programs and and uh, things that we do and, and just to keep busy, we will be the church. Everybody will know their assignment. You'll know it by the Holy Spirit. You know, you don't have to have somebody, you know, watch you every step of the way and tell you to go witness to somebody or go start this or go do that. You just open up your home and and people start coming in and the power of God is there to help you do things. It's not some man-made program, amen, and some off the wall, something that's being done by somebody who wants to call themselves a minister. It's real power. The real power of God is there to guide and, and regulate the thing. By be listening for the voices of those crying in the wilderness saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. So it's a message of repentance first, folks. It's not putting uh, lipstick on a pig. For lack of a better term. You understand what I'm saying? It's, we're not going to keep doing this over and over again. Calling ourselves holy and then going down the commode. We, we can't do that. We can't do it. So it's like straighten up people because God's really getting ready to do something. That's, that's what it's been done like all throughout the Bible. It's prepare ye the way of the Lord. Be on the lookout for firebrand preachers who are given more to self-sacrifice than self-preservation. Let's say it again. Given more to self-sacrifice than self-preservation. Think of all the, if all the uh, ministers that say own airplanes could sell them and take that money and send it over to some place where they're beheading Christians and persecuting Christians and, you know, hire a private army to protect people in churches. You put enough people with guns outside of church, honey, you won't have all this nonsense. Just saying. That's just one idea. You know, they don't have to take my word for it. Just one idea. The generation of determined young people is accepting the call to world-changing ministry. And in anticipation of it, they are giving themselves to the backside of the desert for preparation. They are willing to detach themselves from the comforts of life, in other words. If we could get over ourselves. I'm serious. If we could get over wanting to be noticed, seen, coddled, talked to, you know, pampered given more things if we could get there god could really use us so they will be given themselves to the backside of the desert for preparation if a burning bush of revival happens to ignite where they are you're just being obedient to god and then uh, uh people start to get healed they start to get born again more people are drawn in just by the power of the holy spirit if that happens to happen 
in your meeting. It's a happening, folks. It's not saying you've been chosen because you're the most qualified, wonderful person and you can't own these things. If you're a burning bush survivor or you're a, a backside of the desert survivor, uh, you can let that go and you can let God be in charge of these things and not try to control them and own them yourself. Amen. <clears throat> it says they'll remove their sandals of worldly dependence and like Moses stand on the holy ground of God's sovereignty. With Jehovah on their side, they will lead, lead nations into the promised land of unprecedented harvest. Indeed, amen, amen, amen. That's all you got to know is God's with you. You know, this is, this is the essence of it is knowing God. You know, the Bible says that people who know their God will be mighty and do exploits. So it's between you and the Lord, you know, <clears throat> what happens in your life. And that knowing doesn't mean a head knowledge in, in scriptures and you've been saved X number of years. But it's a relationship with him, an intimate relationship where you know his voice, you know how to respond. He knows he can trust you. He's had you on assignment. You've done some things for him. You come back for more to do instead of stopping somewhere and want to give your testimony for 10 years about how God used you to do one little miracle one time. No. It's true. Because you see the field white for harvest. You don't see yourself in the mirror trying to be something that you're not. Huh? You're looking out into the harvest field. You're not looking at yourself. And so this is very, very important that we understand the difference. We're not trying to make a big name for ourselves or reputation or uh, get more books to sell. You know, because they sell, tell you write another one while you're hot. You know, people want to buy. So let's get some more out there. You're not in that flow. You're totally different. You're in relationship with God, dependent upon him, and your feel, your eye is on the harvest. It's not on yourself. On the harvest. With Jehovah on their side, they will lead nations into the promised land of unprecedented harvest. Indeed, that's the least we can, that is the least we can expect. Underline or highlight least. Amen. Because we need to begin to expect more. It's safe to take your expector out again, folks. Remember you used to keep your expector out and you tripped over it, been out so long and nothing ever came. You tripped over it going across the floor. Well, it's safe to take your expector out again. Amen? You can do it. He said this is the least we can expect and it won't be the first time. It's happened before. Amen? Scripture verifies that through the season of plowing and sowing, can be, though it can be grievously long, once the atmosphere is charged with the presence of God's favor, results come quickly. So our faith and our expectation creates an atmosphere of performance for God. See, he'll come and perform where the atmosphere is conducive to his performance. The already factor. Just as God took Moses to the mountain peaks in order to view the promised land, you will soon be ascending to spiritual peaks of divine vantage point. So God is going to change what we see and how we see it. 
We're not going to see problems and disappointments and all. We're going to see opportunity. We're going to see labor uh, that will be uh, done speedily. We're going to see that souls are ready to be harvested. It's not about, you know, laboring with one person for years to try to get them to want to be uh, saved or something like that. But the fields are already white, and God will lead you to the ones that really need to come in. So just as God took Moses to the mountain peaks in order to view the promised land, you'll soon be ascending to spiritual peaks of divine vantage point. So your perception, your position in God is going to change. Your perception of kingdom, his kingdom versus the kingdom of darkness, that's going to change. You're going to see his kingdom big and darkness small. Amen. That's the way Jesus sees it. Once there, you'll be captured by vision, vision that will mark the rest of your life and introduce you to what is known as God's already factor. Return with me to that conversation Jesus had with his disciples at Jacob's well. The disciples were pondering how Jesus had introduced kingdom living to a Samaritan and as a result affected the entire town and ultimately the race with which he was identified. So here the Samaritan is, is, is significant because you keep seeing Samaritans play significant roles in Jesus' ministry. And why is that? They were the people who were like the worst of the worst and the least of the least. They were people who had once um, had worship uh, uh, under, under God, but they had polluted their worship with different idolatrous ideas and things of that nature so the jews in order to feel like they had god and nobody else always separated themselves from the samaritans and looked down on them so the samaritan would be your homeless person now your drug addict now your least of the least kind of people but they keep popping up receiving what god has when the religious can't get it and so that's going to be a trademark. There will be people who are uh, not highly esteemed. God will use them mightily. There will be people of great reputation who won't be able to get it. They, won't, they just won't be able to get it. Okay. And so because they won't want to let go of what they have. And so when, when we understand that kingdom living can come to all who believe, will be ready to move out and share Christ with anybody. That, that person may look like the least likely person to want to hear what you have to say. And then all of a sudden it turns around and they get it. And God moves in their heart and they, they begin to understand the great things of God. <clears throat> I was thinking about um, Todd White. Remember he said that that person that he told them, I want to tell you Jesus loves you. And they said, no, God told me to tell you Jesus loves you. You know what I'm saying? This was a homeless guy looking like he really needed God bad, and he had more God in him than Todd had. You understand what I'm saying? And so these, these are, are things that are happening uh, because people are getting to know God. If they have to stay out of church to get to know God, then they'll just have to do that because the ultimate is to know God. Amen. And I don't mean out of the company of believers, but you know what I mean, out of what we call church and organized and all that. I've heard people say that for years, and I used to think it was just an excuse. You know, I, people that I know are called to be saved, and uh, 
I'd say, well, why don't, you, why don't you go to church? Well, I don't like organized religion. Now I'm beginning to understand more what they are thinking. Because even though we have an organization, we have relationship. It's here if you want it and you know how to get it. You understand me? But there are some people that don't understand how to get it. And so they're like the Samaritan on the side of the road, beat up by life, waiting for somebody who really loves God to come by and tell them about the Lord and take care of their wounds and get them healed and so forth and so on. And so there will be more situations like that where people who have been sitting in the valley of decision all of a sudden see clearly that Jesus is the answer and how to receive him and how to have a living relationship with him. I was talking to a friend of our, well, Clydell, you know, her son, York, and I, I had a conversation with him recently and i've i've shared christ with him before you know we all have and his mother has of course and he grew up pretty much in the church and he's one of those people that never got turned on to what he called organized religion and i had a conversation with him recently my pattern with him had been every year at the beginning of the year i would pray with him and uh, prophesy to him if God had a word for him to, you know, what are, you, what are, your, what are your goals this year, York? What are you planning to do? Um, let's see what God has to say. He's always been very open to whatever I would share with him from the Lord, but he just won't cross over that line. And I had a conversation with him recently, and I told, after I talked to him, I told, I think it was Tone, I told, I said, he, said, he talks like me and you, Tone. I said, I think you really found the Lord this time. Amen. And he told me, he said, you know, I had been saying all this time I wanted a job in a certain country. He said, and people in my work always told me that, um, I wouldn't get there and don't get your hopes up. He said, they told me I wouldn't even go anywhere in the company and all of that. He said, and one day I said to myself, well, God, I'm going to let all of this go. He said, whatever you want to do with me, you can do it. He said, I quit, quit trying to get to a different country. I quit trying to do anything. I just said, God, wherever you want me, put me there. Within six months, God had moved him to a higher position in another company, he left that company where they said he would never go anywhere. He left there, went to a, a company that was similar. They worked projects together sometimes. And so he went over to this other company. As soon as he got over there, it was like he stepped off, off of a sinking ship and one that was floating. Because that company folded right after he left. And he says he's doing things now. He said all he does is go to his boss and say, I know how to do this. He'll say, nobody knows how to do this. We don't have anybody with, no, I can do this. I know how to do this. And he says every plan that he's ever given them works 100%. He's an engineer and he knows what he's talking about. A very bright young man. But as he tried to do these things in his own strength, he realized finally that he needed God to help him to get even somewhere he thought he could get on his own. And so there, there is a God encounter for everybody. There's a place for everybody to know God in relationship, not just a confession of Christ, but to know him in relationship. And, and I believe we're going to see people like that. And they get turned on to God, and there's no stopping what they will do once they get a real relate. And that's what he was hungering for. He was hungering for relationship. 
when he said he didn't like organized religion, he was fighting that institutional thing that's void of relationship. So now that he's got relationship, we keep praying for him to get everything God has for him. Amen. Amen. So there's this concept of the already factor. And that's what, and see, this will cause you to be peaceful in difficult situations when you understand that God has already positioned something in your life that is going to help you. Uh, if you think you're in an emergency, think again. Your, your help is already there. If you think you're going to go under, forget it. You're going to go under because it's already there for you. Amen. It's prepared for you. In John 4.35, Jesus said, say not four months and then comes harvest. Lift up your eyes and behold. Don't count natural time. Look up, look, look, lift up your eyes and behold, the fields are already white unto the harvest. What we need is a different perspective. We need a spiritual perspective. We need our eyes opened by God to see what God wants us to see. Not what, what we have been programmed to think is already there. But what God says is there this time. I was thinking about the so many so many uh, examples in the Bible where the prophet told his servant, "Go look again, go look again, go look again, go look again, go look again." How many of you ever told had your small? See, I, I I'm getting to be a pretty good parent now. I got a little kid in the house with me all the time. But uh, small small children uh, want to do what they want to do. You tell them to go and look for something. They go stand there and turn around and come back because they never looked. And that's the way prophetic eyes are when they first begin to get open. You know, people don't know what to expect to see. And so they'll go look and, and think it's the same old, same old. But just like the prophet said, go look again, go look again, go look again. The more times you make them repeat what they're doing, the more they can get into the flow of the spirit to really see what God wants them to see. Amen. And prophets will usually give you a hint. They'll tell you what to look for. Huh? Huh? I, I smell the abundance of rain. I hear the abundance of rain. Go look for a cloud. It's not there. Go look again. It's not there. Go look again. By the time they realize you're not going to get them off the hook and let them quit looking, then they open their eyes. They relax and let God open their eyes so they can see what God has. And I think that's the way the end time harvest will be. Those who keep looking and keep going back time after time after time with prophetic eyes will be able to see what God wants them to see finally oh this is what soul winning is all about this is what it's supposed to be like amen to go out and see the field ripe already unto harvest he says the word already indicated an unusual season of reaping was upon them a time previously described in amos 9:13, when the toe of the reaper was on the heel of the planter they had come to a day of expedient and accelerated breakthrough. The harvest field of souls was no longer considered to be rocky and fallow ground. You know, you have to pray for 10 years for one person and they still ain't saved. You understand what I'm saying? In the spirit, they had arrived at a time when instantly thrusting in the sickle would bring the harvest. The harvest was already available and ripe for gathering. 
What a word for you as you read this. God is bringing the already factor into effect in your life and family. Amen. The already factor. Everything you need is already resident within your relationship with the Heavenly Father. Uh, That's where it is. It's in relationship, folks. It's in relationship with God. What has God told you is out there? What has he told you to look for? What has he told you he's going to do for you? It's already out there. Amen. Paul said in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What do you need today? It's already provided. What do you need today? It's already provided. How do you explain Abraham finding a ram in the bush just before he could sacrifice Isaac? Amen. See, when, when last month I think we told everybody to kill Isaac, right? Remember? Amen. And so because what, what you're going to replace him with is already there. See? It's already there. God just has you looking from one area to the next, from one glory to the next glory to see what it is that's provided for you. And you must expect that, you know, don't sit and wonder and say, where is it and is it coming? And I don't know if God told me to die. He said, look up. Keep looking up. Keep looking to your heavenly father. Keep looking in the word. Keep prophesying to yourself. Keep speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And keep yourself uh, in the spirit. Keep your spirit built up and edified. And that's where the vision comes from. It comes from staying focused on what God is saying and what God has for you. He says it's already resident within you. He says it was already there. What accounts for the coin Peter found in the mouth of the fish at tax paying time? Hmm? Anybody got to pay taxes? I always have to pay them every year. So I don't give them my money. I don't give them my money in advance. I ain't thinking about them people. In fact, I'm thinking of a way to go hold somebody up down there at the Treasury Department and get some back. <laughs> it was the already factor. That, that money was already in the fish's mouth. All Peter had to be was be directed toward it. See, this is all that we need. Is the Lord is our shepherd. Because it's all already there. Doesn't the Bible say the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just? It's already there, folks. God doesn't have to print more money, manufacture anything, uh, stop doing anything, start doing anything. It's already there. It was the already factor that Elisha's servant finally discovered when his spiritual eyes were opened in Dothan one day. Once spiritual perception took over, he saw the angels of God had already surrounded the enemy. They were already surrounded. Now, the devil can kick up and and throw a fit and do whatever he wants to do to try to make you think he's got victory. But the answer of God is already there. See, all you got to do is fit in with the flow of it. And understand that you can look up to God and say, God, where is, what do I do next? I'm trying to get out of this situation. I'm trying to get my victory here. What is it that, and it's already laid up for you. He's just waiting for you to turn to him in confidence and faith so that he can direct you to where the provision is. 
the thing God was showing me about, he said, this, this business about an end time transfer. He said, I never told people that. He said, I told you all along, the sinner's wealth is laid up for you. And so I began to think about it. And, and uh, he was saying, he says, it's laid up for you because they never get their hands on most of what they think they have coming to them. I'm going to say it again. He said they never get their hands on it. Now, why do they never get their hands on it? Because of the curse. See, the curse on them is the provision for us. I'm going to say it again. The curse on them is the provision for us. They never get their hands on it. They work, toil, and labor. Many of them labor for what they don't know. They squander. They give away what they do get their hands on. But most of it, they never get their hands on it because it's held back because of the curse. God cannot bless the sinner. He cannot prosper and flourish them. He cannot do. They may look like they're prospering, but they never get their hands on most of their wealth. <clears throat> Why? Because it's laid up for it's laid up for us. It's not in their hands and we got to take it away. It's not in their hands and we got to wait for them to lose it for us to get it. It's laid up for us. You got me? Never got their hands on it. God's always in control of it. That's why God can dispense what he wants to us when he wants to give it to us. With no, with no stopping. There's no limit on the provision that God will give us when we are good stewards with it and, and meet his test of faith. And so if we will understand that, that there's, no, there's no struggle over this stuff, there's no shortage anywhere, it's not what it looks like down here on earth, it's in glory is where the answers are and where the provision is. It says in the, he says, um, Scripture declares the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. So you worship the Lord. You let, you let confidence in God come upon you. Let faith arise in your heart. The angels are already there. The provision is already there. The victory is already there. <clears throat> in the Amos 9.13 season of living, your anxiety. <laughs> right. I mean, if we're living in the natural and looking in the natural, you can get anxious about a lot of stuff. He says, your anxiety will give way to a confidence that comes with seeing what is already yours through Jesus Christ. See, faith will be that real. It'll be a confidence and a boldness. It won't be a wavering thing and it won't be a fearful thing. So your faith is your confidence. Some time ago, while reading through the Bible, I came upon what seems to be the endless genealogies of the patriarchs found in the pages of the Old Testament. Reading in Exodus 1.5, I was reminded of the sons of Jacob who went into Egypt with him during the time of famine. Starting with Reuben and ending with Asher, a total of 11 sons were listed as being with Jacob when he arrived. However, Jacob was father to 12 sons. The one not listed with the others is Joseph. In your Bible, you will see Joseph's name isolated and standing alone from the others and encased between parenthesis symbols. 
Within those symbols, you will discover a treasure almost hidden away in what some would consider parenthetical insignificance. Here is how it is written in the Bible, complete with the parentheses. For Joseph was in Egypt already. (laughs) Joseph was in Egypt. See, when God wants to do something, he prepares. All we have to do to receive it is prepare our hearts so that we can receive what God has for us. He prepares and he expects us to prepare. So the provision for the time of the famine, famine is never a surprise to God. It's never a shock to him. Nothing's a surprise to him. The provision is already set aside. So Joseph was already in Egypt waiting on the family to show up. The impact of that little phrase is explosive in my spirit. Think about it. The man God would use to sustain his father and brothers was already in place before their arrival. And God knew how to get him there, didn't he? You don't see God struggling with him. Joseph, this is the last time I'm going to, you know, God didn't deal with anybody. He just got in there. Think about it. All this stuff we say God's doing with us, dealing with us. I mean, not not us particularly, but people will say things. The way they say God does things, he'd never get anything done. He got to beg you for 15 years to stop fornicating so you can serve him or stop smoking and hiding it behind your back and all this kind. Of, I mean, come on now. It's, he doesn't deal with people. The power is there for deliverance if you want deliverance. The power is there for success if you, the power is there for obedience if that's what it takes. You don't have to, he don't have to deal with you to get you to obey. All he's got to do is get you moving. God will use whatever he needs to get you where he wants you to be. Moses was a murderer. That's how he got to his next step in his ministry. If I have to go get my chair, I'm going to get my chair. I'm thinking about y'all. I ain't going to work me today. <laughs> he was already in place. Joseph tried to get himself out of prison with his gifts. See? Even people who are being perfected by God have their issues, shortcomings. huh? It says, through Joseph, the foresight and insight needed to guide a country through a famine was already in place before the famine even started. Pharaoh didn't have to impart, import a financial genius from some, from some faraway place in order to secure Egypt's endangered economy. His best economists and financial strategists were already there. Mm-hmm. Already there. I remember years ago when we started the ministry and I was listening to somebody uh, uh, talk about, you know, helping in the church and all that. And and they said, yeah, the help is already in the house. The help is in the house. And I was trying to, I said to myself, and I realized after I was reading through the book of Exodus when uh, Moses started the first church, that he had to turn them away. There was so much wealth given. Uh, to to do the things to prepare the temple and all that he had they gave too much and so i started setting that as a a faith 
goal for myself that it would be like it would be in the day of Moses you know that the help was in the house everybody with every skill needed to get everything done was already there we've always believed that and we've always had adequate places to have our meetings and so when you understand the provision of God that it's already in place somewhere we just need to be led to it amen then 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 we were we will be where God wants us to be I know I was speaking with, uh, I think it was Miss Ingrid, yeah, because it was about this building, finding, and she was looking. She said, I called all these churches and none of them will let their, you know, rent their buildings out or anything. I said, well, we only need one. See, we got to find the one. And so sometimes when you find the one, you find out what else God wants you to do. It's not just a place to have a meeting. But it's a place to fulfill the will of God, period. And so this is this is what we have to stay focused on. But the provision is already made in God. He's not lacking anything. So uh, let me see. The answer was in place before the problem ever manifested. And that's <clears throat> that's what we have to know and we have to stand on and believe. The answer is in place before the problem ever manifests. The answer is there. Uh, like the, um, what's that show, one of those alien shows, it says the truth is out there somewhere, <laughs> you know. The provision is out there somewhere, you know. We just got to get in place to let God move it. Many times we're waiting for a provision to move us into position when God wants us positioned first. And then the provision comes. <clears throat> See what I'm saying? That's why I always tell people, if you're expecting God to help you with something, <clears throat> get up and start doing something toward it. You know, many times we put too many barriers between us and accomplishing. You know, your mind will tell you, you got to have this, 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 and this, and then God will do something. Um, let's just do it. And, and see how God moves. Many times I've, I've challenged my faith by stepping out and doing things and then expecting God to pay for it after it's done. I don't have to have money in my hand to do, especially something, you know, and, and we always, always want to, I want to do it debt free. Listen, you ain't never done nothing debt free. Just do it. By that time, the, the carpet will be worn out. Everything will be so old. You don't want it. But if you can step out in faith and when, and then when the money comes, pay the bill. Don't do what you did the last time. Without ran up a credit card and God sent you the money to pay it and you went and charged something else. So He doesn't bless shenanigans. Huh? <laughs> he blesses faith. <laughs> So it is with the provision for our soul's redemption. Long before sin marred the complexion of humankind. You know, I like these old school preachers. He's a church of God. <clears throat> They'll always wind up talking about the cross at the end of every sermon or the end of, I mean, and it's good because there are people that need Christ. We have a general altar call, which I think is does the same thing. But, you know, there is a place where. Uh, you need to bring people back to the remembrance of the cross and what God did for them. He says, so it is with a provision for our soul's redemption. Long before sin marred the complexion of humankind, there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The provision already was made. Huh? 
he was already slain. So it is with your life. In this miraculous season of God's favor, you'll discover that his blessings and provision will precede you and enable you to make the difference in others. In this dynamic season, you see what he's saying, make the difference in others. I want to keep pulling you into the fact that this is not your personal wealth. This is not uh, more, you know, uh, Gucci shoes and, and Louis Vuitton handbags and all that kind of stuff. Huh? In this dynamic season, you will see as never before the reality of 2 Corinthians 9:10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Amen. So it's righteousness that will increase. To the point that we can carry the anointing that God wants us to carry and be focused on where it's to be deposited. Stay focused on the work that God has called us to without feeling like you're deprived. You know, the little bit of stuff that we do here in this ministry, and I'm I'm not really belittling our work here. I know we all work hard, but not every week. We work hard once a month. And twice a year at conference, you know, that kind of thing is, but even that you'll begin to begrudge God that time if you don't stay focused on, on it's a kingdom thing that you're doing. What are you doing this for? Huh? You're doing this because this is what God has assigned to us to do for his kingdom and for his glory. And this is, this is all there is to think about it. Once you start feeling sorry for yourself and measuring what you do against what somebody else does, and I'll, I look at it this way, if you can do nothing else, it's another room added to your mansion in heaven. It's another, another floor. And see, the things that are eternal are far more. You're going to be so happy that you didn't take all your reward down here because you have to live in it forever. Uh, down here is where you pay for what you get up there. And so we have to be uh, focused on that and understand that God wants so to bless us, wants so to bless us. But he's a wise God and he's a merciful heavenly father and he's going to bless us in according with his word and according for his purpose for us. But the provision is already there. We don't have to worry about if I if I step out and it's not there. There's no such thing as that. Amen. There's no such thing. People get concerned about, well, what if I make a mistake? What if your mistake is not doing something? So you can make a bigger mistake than stepping out and finding out. You know, I was uh, ministering a little bit on Facebook. I'll probably do some more tomorrow on goodness and mercy. Following us and actually tracking us down. That's your safeguard against doing something wrong is goodness and mercy are always going to be behind you. Kind of fixing up your stuff and straightening it up for you and making it right anyway. We're not that powerful outside of God. Amen. He's the one with all power. So we got to trust that he's called us to a, a high holy purpose. And he is going to do what he wants to do in this earth with us or without us. I'd rather he do it with me than without me. Amen. Amen. All right. Miss Nola, why don't you come on up and get the exams for everybody?
Chuck, you want to do this side? Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Open book test.
have. Is everybody done? Everybody done? All right, number one. The best description of Amos 9.13 is an accelerated season of favor. Number two, the long span of time between your sowing and reaping will become subject to the fast-paced timing of God's intervention in your life. Number three, old paradigms are no longer sustainable. Number four, the harvest demands we leave the old mindset. Number five, the Amos 9.13 season will be accompanied by prophetic voices whose message will intimidate spiritual darkness. Number six, preachers will be given over more to self-sacrifice than self-preservation. Number seven, people are being prepared for this work in the backside of the desert. Number eight, in John 4.35, Jesus let the disciples know that the fields were already ripe for harvest. Number nine, everything we need is already resident within your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Number ten, whatever we need is already provided. Number eleven, in this Amos 9.13 season, your anxiety will give way to confidence in seeing what is already there. And number 12, the provision for our redemption was already there. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. All right. How many got him all right? <laughs> Good. <laughs> None but A students. None but A's. None but A's. All right. Okay, Miss Noel, if you can collect those and Chuck, <clears throat> you can get the envelopes passed out. Yeah, they're passed out already? Oh, Good. <laughs> Mr. Gary's got to get his. All right. Praise God. Amen. Miss Nola, do you have your message translation uh, handy? <laughs> let me let me see it now. Receive the offering. <clears throat> oh, good! Right on the screen. All right. All right. Amos nine thirteen. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God's decree. When God decrees a thing, it is so. It is so. So we might as well believe it. It'll be easier to believe it than to fight it. That's what I'm believing. Amen. <laughs> Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. And I'll plant them, plant them. No more to be moved. No more to be removed. Amen. On their own land, they will never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God, says so. So this is a good thing for us, and <clears throat> it's a good thing, I think, for Israel, because I believe the land that they're on now is their permanent possession. And amen. And they will not be moved. <laughs> God is not going to remove them. 
everything that's been prophesied about the nation of Israel has come to pass. That's one thing you can say about that. The good and the bad. Amen. And so we we can understand that God has a, a, a covenant to keep with us. He must keep his word. Once he gives his word, he keeps it. Uh, <clears throat> no matter what the dispensation is, his word is still true. It's the same forever. And so as we understand that there are some things that are being done in this earth to assure God's covenant people that they won't be uprooted from the land he gives them, that's going to be a big factor through this Amos 9.13 season. One thing I've noticed uh, in the little bit that I've examined about Israel's modern day history is that when God moves to help them, he moves quick. Remember the six-day war, the seven-day war, and the enemies? I mean, their wars don't last for years. It's like days. And I think that Amos 9.13 promise comes to them to keep them on their land. So, amen. Amen. So you don't want to be one to try and dictate, you know, give this up and give that up and don't don't stay here and go there. uh, Because that's not going to happen. Uh, because I believe Amos 9.13 is for people that God has always spoken it to. And so as we look to God for our, our um, provision, we look to him for direction, for helping us to understand how to stay in this great accelerated season of favor. I believe God is going to do some extraordinary things with us as we bless people that he has his eye on to help and to protect So always pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Always pray for the nation of Israel that God's will would be done for those individuals and that uh, people who are allied with them would stay faithful to their commitment to help Israel, to to provide resources and things of that nature uh, so that that nation can survive and it can thrive because God has decreed and declared it so. Uh, Just like uh, I remember when um, Mordecai was speaking with Esther about helping out the people, you know, and she had come into a place where she was very prominent and the king loved her more than any of the women and she kind of had it made. And he told her, he said, well, if you don't do it, deliverance is going to come, but I know God will deliver his people. He said, if it's not you, you know, cool, you can pass on this if you want to. But, you know, who knows if this is your time to do what God has wanted you to do. And so I believe that that we will understand that this is our time uh, to do what God wants us to do, not to be the next. He's not calling us to be the next anybody, but he's calling us to serve him where servant is an honorable term again. It's not. Amen. It's, it's a good thing to be a servant of God. So why don't you lift up your offerings? We're believing God for accelerated money and return to come to you where you need it. Accelerated desire to give. Accelerated help to come to you when you need it. Everything accelerated in your life. Father in heaven, we thank you for this accelerated season of favor. We thank you, Lord, that everything, the time is going to be compressed. We will be able to do more. In the span of time that we have, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, 